He mustn't be duped by the dope peddlers. with the seventh episode of Beauty GPS in the Hot Seat. I'm your navigator, Mary Shook. With the legalization of recreational marijuana in 10 states and medical marijuana in 33 states, not to mention the legalization of industrial hemp with the 2018 Farm Bill, cannabis derivatives like CBD can be found in most stores across the nation, both orally and topically. I liken it to the days when Coca-Cola contained cocaine in it in the 1800s. What most consumers don't know is that the FDA considers CBD a drug, thanks to the seizure drug, Epidiolex. We're lucky today that Dr. Todd Cooperman of ConsumerLab.com joins us in the hot seat to spill the real tea on CBD. He only happens to be the president of ConsumerLab.com, a nationally recognized and respected researcher, writer, and speaker on consumer healthcare issues, and a regular guest on The Dr. Oz Show. We also discuss how one in five supplements don't have what they claim, how coconut water can send you to the hospital, and how all cocoa is contaminated. Ugh. Now sit back and enjoy the show. And thanks for listening. Todd Cooperman, welcome to the hot seat. Oh, Mary, thank you very much for having me on. Been like a kid waiting for Santa to speak with you because supplements are always in the news and everyone's talking about how supplements don't work or they do work or they make lots of claims. But also CBD has had a big big week with the FDA and the FTC um, because they served a few companies with notices. But before we even get into this, can you tell me about your background and what ConsumerLabs.com is? Yeah, sure. So I'm an MD, uh, and uh, I spend all my time focused on two things, which is uh, uh, checking the quality of dietary supplements and, and nutritional products. Uh, I started Consumer Lab uh, 20 years ago now um, oh. uh, with a, a researcher at the FDA uh, named William Obermeyer. Actually, he's, he retired after about 13 years, um, and we have other other researchers here. But we've been the leading group testing and uh, uh, certifying the quality of, uh, of supplements and really reporting on the, the kind of the pros and cons of supplements. Um, and we have uh, over 80,000 uh, subscribers to our, to our oh. website, ConsumerLab.com, as well as lots of libraries and uh, other academic institutions. But it's actually mostly just consumers who use our information. And I'd say after that, you know, many, many uh, nutritionists and, and uh, physicians. Point blank. Are our supplements safe? Um, many are safe. I'd say the majority are safe. Um, I can't say the majority are effective. And there's so many different things, you know, under the umbrella of dietary supplements. You have vitamins and minerals. Um, and obviously, you know, those are uh, essential uh, to people who are deficient in them. Obviously, they don't always do very much for people who aren't deficient. Um, you know, I could talk hours about that. And then you have the herbal products, you know, the echinacea, ginkgo biloba type products. Then you have uh, oils like fish oils, now hemp oil, which is different from CBD, CoQ10. So many different things come under the umbrella of dietary supplements. And as we'll be getting to when we talk about CBD, CBD is really not technically a dietary supplement, but it is being sold as a dietary supplement. Um, so in general, you know, it really depends on, on who you are and what supplement we're talking about. There's no blanket answer of, you know, do supplements work or not. It's very specific to the, 
to the type of supplement the person, uh, and even the quality, obviously, of the supplement, because we find that about one out of five uh, supplements don't have what they claim or have too, way too much of what they claim or have some other kind of quality pr- uh, problem, like a pill not being able to disintegrate properly so that you won't get the benefit of it. So how are supplements regulated? They are regulated. There are regulations. There are regulations in terms of how they're manufactured uh, under good manufacturing practices. Um, but the regulations are fairly loose uh, relative to uh, uh, prescription medication. For example, the FDA does not specify limits on, say, uh, how much lead there can be in a supplement. They leave that up to a manufacturer. They, hmm. they don't specify how do you actually determine if, uh, you know, if a valerian supplement really is valerian. They leave that up to the manufacturer, who's supposed to have come up with methods and, and standards for evaluating this, but they don't have to really disclose that to the government. They're just supposed to have that on hand. So it's really up to when you're buying a supplement, you're really trusting that that manufacturer is doing a good job, you know, and putting in the right amount. It's a buyer beware situation with dietary supplements. A very small percentage of manufacturing facilities every year, about half of them fail. Oh. Uh, they haven't come up with the right qualifications on what what qualifies a product as being high quality or not. So it has to do with kind of the testing uh, of the of the materials. They are supposed to be testing products as they come in the door or go out the door. Some companies don't do that either. So that's kind of the, the lay of the land, um, you know, with, with dietary supplements. Um, you know, it's kind of Wild Western supplements. So the question is, is like, how would you suggest a consumer look at supplements? Because doctors are not the ones really recommending supplements. They're, they're writing scripts. So everyone's having to do their own homework and their own guessing and their own everything. So it's, it's kind of a little all over the place. So what, what kind of direction would you get? I mean, that's really why we exist is because there, there is no easy answer. Um, you know, when you look at a, at, a, at a label, you know, you can't really tell unless it's been certified by, you know, by a third party. You know, you want to make sure it's labeled properly. Um, it follows, you know, the right rules for, for a supplement facts panel, you know, b- b- which, you know, is kind of detailed, but you really don't know. Um, and that's, <laughs> that's why we have to test these products um, to really see w- what's in them. I, I don't have a, an easy answer other than, in general, the bigger brands do tend to, to do a better job than, than smaller brands for the reasons that I, that I mentioned. Okay. When something's new in the market, we tend to see more problems, uh, you know, than things that have been out there for for a while. And we also see more problems with gummies, which are which are very popular now, just because it's very hard to make a gummy. Um, initially, companies were just basically, really, literally spraying the vitamins or whatever onto the surface of a candy, a candy gummy that they would buy, mm. um, and it's, it was very inaccurate, uh, very unstable that way. Then they were you know, now better companies are actually, you know, uh, making the gummy with the with the ingredients in, you know, embedded in it in that kind of environment. Uh, certain vitamins in, uh, are not very stable, and liquids as well. The same thing, when you're in a liquid environment, things can break down faster. Um, tablets are, are much more stable than than either of those. Hmm. So I, I'd be I'd be cautious with gummies. Some gummies are okay, but. Um, I'd probably say the majority that we've tested are not. That's important is how something is delivered and stability. So, again, those aren't, I think, topics that are known or well-known. So you need to educate yourself before you buy a supplement and make sure you know, do you need it, does it really work, you know, and, and uh, you know, what to look for in a label to, to at least give you, give you that advantage. And then hopefully, you know, if you use our information, then you'll know which products actually have what they even state on them. 
So do you also test like topicals, any kind, because a lot of vitamins are delivered topically as well. Do you test creams and things like that, or is it just internal? We don't test a lot of topicals just because there's not a lot of evidence that they work. It's really window dressing typically in terms of, you know, putting supplement ingredients in, in topical products. So it's, there's not a lot of evidence to support that use. You know, unless it's been tra- tested and shown to, you know, be absorbed and work, I, I wouldn't bother. It's just marketing, you know, the, the excitement of putting you know, some of these things into a, uh, a cream. The one thing that I have to finally ask is, does the FDA use your studies for anything? I know the FDA subscribes uh, and they use our information, but they don't go after companies say, say you know, that fail our tests. Uh, uh-huh. Unless someone's died, you know, or come close to it, you know, or many people, you're not going to find the FDA uh, getting too involved with dietary supplements. When they do, it's often when they're when products are making outrageous uh, uh, claims to cure or to prevent a disease. They're much more likely to step in in that case than than actually test a product and find a problem. Um, they do jump in a little. I wouldn't doubt due to the pressure from the pharmaceutical industry. Uh, so that for you know they were looking at products that had uh, you know Viagra and other uh, erectile dysfunction you know type uh, drugs. Um, they wanted to catch supplements that were illegally putting those in there. Um, bodybuilding products that illegally have have drugs in them and weight loss products also. So those are the three areas that they've they've been very active in. And now you're seeing um, from time to time with CBD, uh, as, as you mentioned earlier, they just went after, you know, sent warning letters to three companies um, that were making these types of claims with CBD products, which, which you're not allowed to do. A, a supplement can't claim to treat, prevent, you know, a disease. So um, once you cross that line, the FDA, you know, is more, much more likely to step in. They're not going to step in just because you're, not, you're only putting in, you know, half the ingredient that you claim. Interesting, because you would think as a consumer that that's what the FDA is there for, just to kind of police, but it just doesn't seem like that. Yeah, not with supplements. That's, that's, yeah. not, that's not what they do. What is CBD? CBD is cannabidiol. Uh, it's found in hemp plant. Uh, some plants have more, some have less. It is found not in the seeds, which is where you get hemp oil, um, but it's found in the leaves and the flowers, and that's, that's where you're getting CBD. Obviously, THC is also in hemp plants, and marijuana is basically a, a, a type of hemp plant that has a higher percentage of THC in it, but industrial hemp. It was the farm bill, wasn't it? Farm bill, right. It included a piece that made the growing of hemp legal, and now it can be uh, transported interstate. More research can be done on it, which is great. Um, it didn't legalize CBD, as some people think, in terms of uh, being able to sell it as a dietary supplement, CBD remains a drug. And the reason why it's a drug is that, uh, and not a supplement, is because it was, it's been approved as a drug. Um, and once something gets approved as a drug or even is under investigation uh, as a drug, it can't be sold as a supplement unless it had already been on the market as a supplement before that time. Uh, and CBD was not. So it, didn't, it couldn't get like grandfathered in as a supplement. Um, so, so where things stand, and even though I don't think the FDA... Is, you know, according to uh, outgoing Commissioner Gottlieb, I think the FDA would like to find a way for for CBD to be legal as a supplement, but they're constrained by the by the laws, uh, and also companies that invest a lot of money in making, you know, in, in developing something as a in a drug and as as a drug and doing clinical trials, they are hurt obviously when when the same product is available as a supplement.
So they're kind of, I think they're trying to figure out a way through all this so that people can get CBD as a, you know, non, not as a prescription drug, maybe in a very low dosage. Um, but I think it's going to take a couple of years for that all to get uh, figured out. There's a lot of CBD everywhere. And so I, I studied CBD long, long before companies were starting to deliver it on lingual strips, sort of like the, the Listerine strips. At first I was like, CBD, THC, what is, what is all this? And so... I could only understand that CBD was the part that, okay, I'm not going to get high off that, and the THC is the side that I'm going to get high off of, but I understand you actually, in higher percentages, could have some kind of effect that is like THC from CBD. Is that correct? Not necessarily. Um, I mean, what, what you get with, with uh, CBD, I mean, what we know for sure is that you know people with certain rare forms of epilepsy, high doses of CBD will reduce the number of seizures that they have. And that's why it's been approved as a drug. And the dosage that, that is used for that purpose is about 1,000 milligrams per day, give or take. It depends on the, you know, the, the weight of the person. The amount of CBD that people are buying in supplements is more like 10 20 or even as low as two. So it's, it's a whole different kind of ball game in terms of what people are getting from the, the supplements that are being sold. And I call them supplements loosely because again, the FDA says they're really not, but they're completely labeled just like a dietary supplement and sold like them. Um, although they're not being sold in, in major chains at, at the moment, except for uh, as you know, topicals. So far, the, you know, the CVSs and Walgreens of the world are, are afraid to get into that you know, selling CBD orally. The reason why people are using it as a supplement is that it may have some benefit with pain when taken orally, um, and anxiety is the other kind of hope. So people, and people, many people are, feel that it does pr- provide relief uh, for both those conditions, both for pain and anxiety. There is a little bit of evidence to suggest that it, it may help with pain. If you talk to people who have taken it, it doesn't seem to, it's not an anti-inflammatory, you know, it's not like an Advil. But the clinical evidence is not there, and part of the reason is just because CBD has not been legal for, and it's been very hard to to use in research. There just hasn't been enough research on it. I think hopefully there'll be more and more now that things are loosening up with CBD, and people, you know, we can find out does it really work or not. In the meantime, it is fairly safe uh, CBD, especially in the doses that people are, are using it. It can interact with a variety of medications, though. Uh, so people need to, to be aware of that. You know, anything that has an action is going to have a reaction, and they should also be aware that it's fat-soluble so that if you're even going to try it, you should take it with the meal that has the most fat in it because that will stimulate bile production. You need that bile to absorb anything that's fat-soluble. So you're not going to absorb very much CBD. You're kind of wasting your money if you're taking it with just with a glass of water. Um, so, you know, keep that in mind. And then because it does naturally have some THC in it, if you're buying a product that's a kind of a higher dose or you're using multiple, do- you know, taking it multiple times a day, it's very prob- probable that, that, that if you have a, a test for THC, you know, you take a drug test, a urine test, um, you will fail that test, you know, uh, if you're taking CBD. You know, the, the higher dose you take, the, the more the chance. I, at a lower dose, you know, maybe it's a, maybe one, a one out of 10 chance that you'll fail a, a, a drug test all CBD, there's just no way to completely eliminate the THC. When you, when you buy a CBD product, you, you need to make sure that it actually says cannabidiol or at least that it says it's a hemp extract because uh, that's, that's how these are made. They're extracted from hemp. Um, if it says hemp oil, it's okay if it says hemp oil as a base in which they're putting the CBD, but if all it says is hemp oil, you're not going to get 
much CBD at all, you know, maybe just a trace amount of CBD. In terms of the ones that are claiming to have no THC, uh, they can kind of clean it up to the point where, you know, it's 99% CBD or even better. Um, they call those isolate. They are available. The drug is pretty well cleaned up, but it also does have, have THC in it. Um, so it's not a complete isolate. The, the anti-seizure drug you're saying? Right. I think it's called Epidiolex. Yeah. What put the nail in the coffin in terms of CBD being a uh, supplement was the fact that that drug was being developed as a drug and then it was approved as a drug. So if the FDA isn't going after everyone, everything that you're seeing on the counters right now that's a supplement, it's now jurisdiction for the DEA? They're not going after it. Uh, is it in their jurisdiction? Um, I mean, it, it, it's still, I think, Schedule 1. Um, but there, I, don't see, I don't see any activity of the DEA going after it. What you do see is local uh, health departments uh, going after CBD being sold in foods, and that's happened now in New York City and, and elsewhere. And frankly, I'm, I'm not a fan of putting CBD in foods because it's much harder to control how much you're putting in. People don't really think very much about how much they're getting. It's just like just the kind of the notion that CBD is in there. And I think you can run into trouble when you actually have an active compound you know, that you're adding to a food like that. Um, I think you're much better off taking uh, a dose that you know, a specific dose that you need and want, um, and getting that from something other than, you know, throwing it into your, your, you know, your chocolate chip cookie. Well, it's interesting you say that with edibles because I was just reading that I believe 25% of the ER visits in Colorado right now are related to consuming cannabis in general. <laughs> I would assume that that would extend even eventually to CBD um, because the only thing I've read about CBD having a, a problem with is the liver and activating inflammation of the liver. So it'll be interesting to see what happens over time and with the broader exposure to all, all kinds of people. What can you tell us about your testing of CBD? What we have found is that, as I mentioned earlier, if it doesn't tell you how much is in there, I'd be very concerned because some products will have as little as, you know, one milligram of CBD. Uh, you know, or it could have up to 22 milligrams. Typically, the ones that are higher are going to are going to tell you because they're, they, you know, they are intentionally putting in you know significant amounts, and the cost you know can vary significantly as well. We found that it can cost anywhere from about 80 cents per 10 milligrams to about you know closer to five dollars you know for the same amount of CBD. So another reason to, that you really want to know how much is in there because you're you're going CBD is expensive. It's possible that 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 will come down over time, especially now that it's easier to grow hemp, you know, so hopefully there'll be a greater supply to meet the demand um, for CBD. The topicals were somewhat more likely to fail our test than the, than the oral products. The, all, all the oral products that we tested did have CBD in them, um, but as I mentioned, it was kind of a, a huge range in terms of the amount that, the, that they were put there. You know, what, what you see happen with a topical product, you know, a jar of an ointment or a cream, um, is that they'll, put, they'll state, you know, maybe, you know, 100 milligrams of CBD or something like that on, on the front. But that means there's 100 milligrams in the entire bottle. When, when you see that on a, on a supplement in the, on the front, that typically means that that's how much is in a pill, you know, or in, in maybe a serving of two pills or something like that. So you're talking about you know, 100 milligrams distributed over, um, you know, many, 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 many applications. So the amount that, you know, actually you get per gram, you know, we found, I'm looking at it now, yeah, anywhere from one and a half to 6.6 uh, milligrams per gram. So, if you know, if you're going to try CBD as a topical, 
I would definitely go with something that has a, you know, a higher, just, you know, if you actually think there might be some type of benefit there at the same. And with the oral, I wouldn't, I wouldn't even bother with a, you know, like a one or two or five milligram. Um, you, you should really start probably at about 10 milligrams, maybe 20 milligrams. Um, or I would start at 10, see if that, how, how that affects you. It can cause um, sedation. Some people get GI uh, uh, disturbances, but they're pretty mild side effects. As I said, it, it's, it's pretty safe. So then is it even legal? Am I dealing with contraband here? <laughs> yeah, so, so, so the, the government's not going to go after you for buying CBD. Uh, they may go after you for selling CBD if, if, it's, you know, if it's making a health claim on it. If you're going to try it, I would probably start at around 10 milligram dose. Okay. Uh, and and you probably you may feel something you know you you go up to twenty and see uh, see if that's helping you. Um, again, it's a bit of a it's a, it's a bit of a kind of a hope right now that it's even going to work. It's not it's not proven, but there you know there's a lot of anecdotal evidence at this point at the at these low doses. And just be aware that you know it, it can trigger it can trigger a drug test. Because I get called from reporters around the country. I'd say at least once a month. Where they say, you know, someone here was going for a job at a, an, you know, at an oil rig or something, and then they they need to get a, you know, a drug test, and, uh, you know, they had taken CBD and they 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 turned positive, and they didn't even realize it was going to, you know, jeopardize their chance of getting a job. So, you know, be aware of that. Interesting. You're a regular guest on Dr. Oz, I saw. So you're an actual a trusted resource for a lot of people out there. Sure. Yeah. As I mentioned, we, we, we've been doing this for 20 years and we've covered just about every type of, of supplement out there. Um, we have reports on, that's probably, you know, a hundred major reports on different types of supplements and we're constantly, you know, we're, uh, testing additional products, adding more clinical information to those reports. Uh, you know, and people obviously can, can subscribe to, to access all, all that information. I'm going to go ahead and open up to questions. Um, I already had a few questions that uh, have been written in. And one is Coco in New York. She wanted to know if you're supposed to feel something from taking CBD. If, if you're taking, you know, I'd say 20, 20 milligrams or more, you'll probably feel something. You know, if, even if it's a, just a side effect, even at 10 milligrams, you may feel something. So, yes, the answer is you, you probably will feel something. You might feel uh, tired a little bit, you know, as I mentioned, a dry mouth. Uh, hopefully, you know, it has some efficacy in terms of what you're actually hoping to, to you're taking it for, which would be some type of relief of pain um, or, or anxiety. All right. No, because I, I knew I, she had asked and several other people were like, well, I don't know what I'm supposed to feel. And there's a brand called Lord Jones that's a really big deal right now because the packaging is so pretty and so on. And it's just a lot of people were taking that and they're like, are you sleeping better? Or, you know, it's like everyone has to ask each other what kind of effect they had. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, if you have to ask, I don't know if it's in there. That's why I think people were like, well, what am I supposed to be feeling? Because they're they're either not feeling it or they just don't know. So out of out of your testing, when you test, you you don't you only do you don't do like an oral test. How how are you testing these things? So these are being tested in the laboratory, actually, where we 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 run it against the CBD standard. So we we know that you know something that actually has CBD, we put that through a, a very sophisticated uh, test, where you 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 know you, you basically get a readout of how much uh, CBD is in there against the standard. So we're, we're not giving it to people, we're not giving it to animals. We're, we're actually just testing in the laboratory to make sure first that if it's a pill, and most of them aren't, more are capsules, but if it's a pill, you know the pill breaks apart, releases the ingredient, and that that ingredient is in there at the, at the level that they claim. And then we also test them to make sure they're not contaminated with heavy metals. Um, Cause 
it is it is a botanical product you know it's from plants and plants pull up from the ground whatever's in the ground so we do find uh things like lead in certain uh you know herbal products so we check the, the cbd products for that as well that actually brings up another question and i don't mean to distract from the other questions right now but why do supplements end up having so much lead and arsenic um just metals in general like what what's causing these high amounts of of metals in the testing um it's it's basically pulling it in from the ground through the roots. Um, I mean, it can settle on the le- you know on leaves uh, you know from rain and things like that. More likely, it's pulled up from the ground. So if you know when a lot of a lot of ingredients come from say China, um, uh, herbal ingredients, and if the, if that field where they were grown was near a highway and you know the leaded glass gas had been used for many years, you'd get a lot of lead in the ground there, and that would get sucked up basically into the plants. Um, and so then you'd see it in, in the, the herbal products that are made from those plants. Um, we, see, we see, for example, cadmium, um, which is also a t- toxic heavy metal, uh, in cocoa uh, and dark chocolate. And that, that's a problem worldwide. We, we are still trying to find some kind of cocoa that doesn't have a high level of cadmium in it. So if you, if, you, if you like cocoa, limit, limit your, your intake to, to no more than, say, you know, one cup per day. Otherwise, you're, you may be exceeding, you know, the limits that not the U.S. is setting. As I said, the U.S. doesn't really, it's not into big, big into setting limits on these things, but Canada has a limit. California as a state has, has limits. Um, and we, we, we apply those limits to, uh, to the products that we test. So, um, yeah, the different plants will we'll pull up different things. They're, they're, um, they, just, they absorb them. Green tea absorbs lead very well in fact it's actually been used to sop up lead uh when there's been like lead lead spills or something like that wow Um, the good news with green tea is that the lead stays in the leaf and we typically don't see it in in in, uh, green tea from japan um we've seen it more in in green tea from china but it does stay in with the leaf so if you're making you know green tea in a tea bag the lead stays with the leaf and you, you know when you when you discard the bag um, it's not going into the into the uh, the liquid. Yeah. So so those are you know some of the ways you know places in which we see uh, uh, heavy metals uh, showing up. I didn't realize my talk today was going to ruin cocoa. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I know no one wants to hear it. Uh, yeah. And some so certain dark chocolates will have, have we have found have very high levels as well. Um, it's kind of hit, hit and miss with the dark chocolate, but. Um, you know, when you look at like the percent flat, uh, cocoa on a uh, dark chocolate, um, you know, it's trying to give you a sense of the, the amount of flavanols, which are beneficial. You know, they, they help relax blood vessels and things like that. Um, but you, you can't actually, so we, when we test cocos and dark chocolates, we're looking for the flavanol content. Um, and we're also looking for, for the heavy metals. When you, when you make cocoa or dark, char- dark chocolate, you're actually, the cocoa bean has basically a cocoa butter in it. Um, which has no flavanols, and then it has the the cocoa liqueur, which is the dark part, um, which has all the flavanols. And some pro- some cho- dark chocolates have a lot of the the, the flavanols, and a lot of the, un- unfortunately that comes with a lot of the uh, the cadmium. Mm. Um, and some others have more of the butter, where you're not getting the flavanols, but you're also not getting as much cadmium. But the cocos uh, almost universally, you know, are contaminated. Unfortunately. Um, you know, with uh, cadmium. So that's just, I mean, that's every country, everywhere, like you, you've sourced everywhere and it's unavoidable? 
so far, I think we we maybe found one or two products that were low in ca- lower in cadmium but high in lead. <laughs> I mean, and these these metals can compete, you know, with each other. We have yet to find a really good clean uh, cocoa. I mean, you can get cocoa extracts. Uh, there's like Cocovia is a um, a very high flavanol extract you can buy, um, and there have been a lot of clinical studies on it. For, um, you know, but it doesn't. You know, it's not like it's not it's not as pleasurable as cocoa. It, you know, it, it's kind of a a concoction of things that they have to kind of reconfigure and put put sweetness back into it and all that. And uh, mm. uh, it's a different if it, it's a different story, but it is clean. You're not you're not going to run into the uh, the problem of cadmium with with uh, those types of extracts. Wow. Well, here's another question then. What is the most shocking thing that you've learned in testing all out of 20 years? I mean, some of the surprising things are um, that companies often don't know that they're making, that they, that they have a problem. Uh, you know, it's not, I think most of the problems we run into are not companies that are just trying to shortchange you, you know, and, um, but they, they're not, uh, they're not investing enough in the in the in the manufacturing to to know where they're where there may be to avoid problems. So, for example, there was a very very well reputable a very well known reputable company that makes uh, oils, um, you know, like flaxseed oils and omega six three, you know, uh, different types of oils. And we found that I think uh, one of their products, maybe it was a flaxseed oil or something, had none of the of the the omega, you know, whatever fatty acids we were looking for in that product, none. Um, and, uh, and we publish this and, you know, and we, and what typically happens is our readers then contact the company and complain and the company then comes to us and says, you know, how could you say that? You know, we, we, uh, you know, we know exactly what's going into our products. Um, and they really believed it. And then it turned out to make a long story short, when they went back, they found that they were just putting the wrong ingredient in the wrong pill. And you know, so it's those kinds of things. We, we've I remember testing a vitamin C uh, tablet that we could just you know we do a dis- disintegration test on every tablet to make sure that within 30 minutes uh, it it breaks down you know and it's it's uh, it's it's gone into the solution um, and this pill would just not break apart. Nothing would happen. Um, we had to use a hammer to actually get this pill, you know, to break it up is, and to find out whether it, there was actually vitamin C in it. And it had all the vitamin C. It's just that it was so compressed um, that it, it, you know, it wouldn't deliver the vitamin C to you. So again, it wasn't a company that was trying to shortchange you. They just didn't know how to make a pill. So it, I, those are the kind of things that, that I remember most. I mean, there, there have been many products that just have none of the ingredients that they claim, but you know, we've tested, I think, over 5,000 products at this point, so I, wow. they don't, <laughs> they're not as shocking to me anymore. Well, can consumers actually send something to you to test, or do they have to wait for you to actually do it as a suggestion to get it tested? Or even can companies go ahead and test with you? Because I know you said you are a certified testing company, but what is that process? Right, so um, no one can send us a product to test. Um, not even a company. Uh, we have to always buy a product, just like a consumer would, because um, we don't want it. Because there can obviously be, you know, be some bias associated with a product that we're sent. So that, that's that's one thing. Uh, consumers can definitely suggest products. It doesn't mean we will test them, but we we do, you know, keep count of what people are requesting, especially people who are our subscribers. Um, and then that does, as I said earlier, that helps direct what we're going going to test. You know, you know, going forward, mm-hmm. uh, companies can come to us voluntarily. 
as I mentioned, we have the oldest qual uh, voluntary quality certification program. Um, and, and so companies, you know, many companies uh, have products tested by us. Um, and again, we have to buy it off the shelf. It gets no special treatment. And then if it passes, we'll include that in our report as well. And they can, they can promote it and they can use our seal on the product for two years and then it has to be retested again. So companies can request, you know, that, that our product be tested. But the majority of products that we test are just ones that, that uh, our readers, you know, want to see tested. I just have a few more questions for you. Um, there's Alex in New York. Um, she says she wants to know what you know can help best uh, help sleep because she said there's magnesium, tryptophan, theanine, melatonin, valerian. She says, is there a very good sleep supplement or mixture you can suggest? Right. So um, we've tested all of them. We have reports on every single one of those. Um, I think um, melatonin uh, uh, does help you get to sleep. You don't need a lot. In fact, um, there's some downside probably to having too high a dose taken regularly. Um, so, you know, you can start with even half a milligram, uh, one milligram, three milligrams are safe. You know, um, I wouldn't go beyond that. Um, take it about 45 minutes uh, before you want to fall asleep and it'll help trigger sleep. I've used it. Uh, I have my kids have used it uh, on a Sunday night before it's time. You know, they, they stay up late over on the weekends, and I give them a little on a Sunday night just oh. to get them kind of back on schedule. But it's not something you want to take every night. Um, you, you should just use it as you, you know as needed. It is actually a prescription drug in 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 Europe, in the UK, for example. Um, and and the dosage there, I think it's maybe five milligrams um, as an extended release product. And that may help a little bit also if it's, if it's extended release, um, but it, it, definitely, it definitely works in trigger, triggering, triggering sleep. It won't just knock you out, um, but it helps trigger that. Um, oh. Valerian can help kind of help you kind of relax and, and, and get to sleep a bit. And we have a whole report on Valerian supplements. There are others, but the, the evidence isn't all that strong. So th those are the two that I would uh, suggest. Okay. No, I, I, it's interesting because she just asked that just before we went on. And I know that I have tons of customers always asking. And our last guest, actually, from Chemist Confessions, they, that was one of their beauty hacks was melatonin. So it seems like that keeps coming up. Yeah. Yeah. This, I mean, that's, that's, that, that, that will work. It's, uh, and, you know, if you take a low dose, you're not going to be drowsy the next day. But if you take a very high dose, you know, extended release, you may be a little drowsy in the morning. Um, which you want to avoid. So I'd stick with a low dose. And, the, 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 you know, the half milligram is more like the amount that actually you, you make in your body that triggers sleep. So, <clears throat> you know, don't go crazy on, on, the, on the dosage. Good to know. Um, I have Karen in New York, and she's like, now that we're seeing a lot of connection um, with bacteria species and mood and behavior and disease, how do we choose the right probiotics for us? Right. You know, uh, we've tested many, many probiotics. We have a whole report on probiotics. Um, uh, and at this point, um, you know, the majority of products do have uh, the billions of, of uh, you know, CFUs, colony forming units that they're claiming. Some still may not. Um, the, you know, the evidence uh, is, is funny. It, the evidence is strongest for taking it um, to prevent uh, diarrhea associated with taking antibiotics. Um, there's, you know, then there's a little bit of evidence that it might work for about, you know, 20 different other things. Um, if you want to find a product that, that's good quality, you know, you, you can look in our report. There, there are lots of brands that have what they claim. You, you want at least a billion uh, organisms per, you know, per day, per dose. Um, don't get anything that's less than that. 
or that doesn't even state the amount. And that is a good tip in general when you buy a supplement. You know, you don't, you don't, I, I would avoid kind of complex formulas, proprietary blends and all of that. It, go, with the, go with the ingredient or the, that you want in the amount that you think you know, has been shown to work and get that. Uh, and if you want another, add another ingredient, you know, when we were talking about sleep before, you know, try that separately. Um, uh, but but I'm, I'm not a big fan of, of kind of proprietary formulas and blends. So you usually don't see that they work or they contradict each other? Well, first, they're typically never, they're no, typically they've never been tested in that formulation. Oh. You don't know. So, you know, most, you know, there are very few formulas that are out there that have been tested. Um, you know, there are some I formulas that have actually been tested, um, you know, for Mac to, to uh, <clears throat> reduce the chance of macular degeneration. Um, but, but there really have not been a lot of studies on these formulas that are out there. So I, but there, there have been a lot more studies on individual ingredients, and, and that's the best way to go when you're dealing with uh, dietary supplements. Well, and that's interesting because I, I hear some kind of like hesitation in your voice about that too as far as safety. So you would even be concerned about people's safety as far as combination formulas. Yeah, um, that's my, my biggest concern is just that it's not going to work because um, it's just never been tested. But, but you can have safety issues as well. Um, you know, you get into the safety issues more, and, you, and you really see problems with people who are, who are overdoing it on things. Almost every time you hear about someone getting hurt by a supplement, it's because they were taking it, you know, uh, you know, too many times per day. Um, I mean, we're just putting out a report uh, tomorrow on uh, coconut waters, you know, and, and people have hurt themselves even with coconut water just because, you know, they get so gung-ho, they're like, oh, I'm only going to drink coconut water all day long, or I'm only going green, to drink green tea all day long. And, and those are the people, you know, who, who, who end up in a hospital. So <laughs> Really? Yes, so you you need to just whatever it is, you know, exercise, do it in moderation with supplements. Um, you know, don't go crazy on it. I have to Google coconut water hospital <laughs> now because I haven't heard of that before. Yeah, crazy. There there have been cases of people who just drink too much, you know, too much coconut water, too much anything, um, you know, will <laughs> uh, can hurt you. So just be careful. I mean, what tipped you guys off on testing that? Were people just asking you questions, or you read about someone, someone in the hospital, or what? What made you all test that? Uh, we started in 2011, uh, just because they were making claims that uh, coconut water was um, um, uh, a good source of magnesium and, and uh, sodium, um, and good for rehydration after you know sports. Um, but the, the and so we've tested, you know, coconut waters, and and the bottom line is they they are, um, you know, they're fine for hydration, just like water is. Um, they're not magical because they don't have a lot of sodium. They have a lot of potassium. So uh, what you lose when you sweat is sodium. You lose ten times more sodium than potassium. So if if you're really, you know, working out for a long for an hour, you know, doing you know rigorous exercise, you know. Uh, you want some sodium um, and, and water, um, and you're not going to get. You'll get the water, and you'll get a little bit of sugar, um, you know, which which is fine, um, but you're not going to get the sodium. So uh, we found that products, you know, back in 2011, were making claims uh, that that were incorrect about really what they could do and what they contained. And when you say something's a good source of, say, magnesium or sodium, 
that means it has to have more than 10% of the daily value uh, for that amount for that uh, nutrient. And the and 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 uh, coconut water does not, except for potassium. Um, but so basically, you know, you you could eat you could drink a glass of water and eat a banana, and it would be just as good as as coconut water. But I have nothing against coconut water. I like it. Um, we just found in our most recent test that we'll be publishing shortly um, that you can, you know, you, you can get a lot less, you can buy products with a lot less sugar than others um, and still get, you know, good taste from a coconut water. Um, so that, that'll be coming out soon. Fascinating. All the different things that you could test, but it, it looks like claims are driving you guys and you're like, huh, let's, let's just see what's going on here. <laughs> So I have one final question, and it's Jason in New York who wants to know, is there a supplement people can take for jet lag management? Really, again, melatonin is, is, is uh, the, the best thing just to help kind of reset a clock. Um, you know, it's not, it's not uh, total magic, but it, it will help. As I mentioned, it will help trigger sleep. You know, if, if, you're, if, if you're not in the mood to fall asleep, um, you know, you're – you probably still won't fall asleep with taking melatonin, but if you know if you're if the lights out and, and you're trying to fall asleep and you take melatonin, you know about 45 minutes later, uh, you'll feel like falling asleep. There's so much confusing information out there. Um, so again, I'm I'm glad that there's a site such as yourself um, that serves people independently uh, to get to answers since there is no regulation and so on. So, Todd, what is your beauty hack? Unfortunately, my beauty hack is uh, don't believe <laughs> that uh, you know CBD in your in your in your ointment you know in your in your cream is actually going to do anything at this point. Um, ah. so save save, your, save yourself the money. Um, if you're feeling something, it, it, it may it may just be other ingredients in there that that are uh, that you're feeling. Um, I don't spend a lot of time in the beauty area, but that would be my 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 advice. Well, then can someone actually take, not necessarily for the face, because a lot of them have MCT oil, which is not good for the skin, but but could someone use one of the oral supplements as a topical beauty supplement and still actually get benefits? Um, I'm not sure how much of it is actually going to get absorbed. Um, you certainly could could apply it, because it, it's typically in an oil base. Um, not, I, I just don't know how much of that will be absorbed and whether it's going to have any effect. So. Like, take it orally. <laughs> Do yourself a favor. Right. Yeah. No, I've, because I've, I, I work in skincare and I'm, I'm actually, because I had tested, I think, at least 500 different bottles of products. And so that's a lot of money <laughs> to try to test things. And we found that it just didn't either have an effect or, or whatnot. So I would sometimes use it on people's skin and found that even with uh, people that had had some rosacea, it did get a little bit of a calming. So it was fascinating that it just, it seemed like it, it gave some kind of bit of calming. But again, because a lot of them are with comedogenic oils, that's not something you would routinely want to do. Yeah, until there's, you know, more research that something actually shows that it works, uh, I, don't, I don't see a reason to spend your money on it. Interesting. Well, Todd, thank you so much for spending your Saturday uh, with us on uh, Beauty GPS and you've given us so much information that is actually really difficult to find and um, so I can't wait to to have the rest of the world hear <laughs> that chocolate is ruined. 
We also have a very good free resource on uh, uh, recommended daily allowances. Uh, very easy to look up, you know, how much you need of a vitamin or a mineral. That's free. Um, and then obviously we have all our reports with our kind of top picks, uh, supplements for, uh, you know, different types of supplements. Mary, thanks for having me on. Good questions. Yeah, no, I, I look forward to seeing the, the results of this. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Our journey has drawn to a close. I hope you've enjoyed this seventh episode of Beauty GPS in the Hot Seat with Dr. Todd Cooperman. Just like skincare, the supplement industry in the United States is self-policing. The only way to know what you're really getting is to look at companies like Consumer Lab who independently test supplements so that you know what you're getting and putting in you. To learn more about CBD and supplements, please visit www.beautygps.com. Make sure your burning beauty and wellness questions get answered during our next live Q&A every first and third Saturday at noon. If you like the show, please make sure to rate us on iTunes or whatever platform you're listening to. Thank you for listening. This is Mary Shook signing off. Beauty GPS in the Hot Seat is copyright 2019. All rights reserved. <laughs>